Hello and welcome to another episode of my baby, my heart project and podcast, The Breathing Body. In this podcast, I invite you to journey through conversations which share the fascination of the physical matter we inhabit, the breathing body. We will explore its inherent intelligence, movement, healing and much more. My name is Florina and I'm the host. I'm an osteopath with a background in dance and yoga and I'm based in London where I practice, lecture and research. And I'm so happy that you are here. Thank you. Let me introduce this episode by introducing my guest, Bonnie Gintis. Bonnie Gintis, doctor of osteopathy, lives in northern Vermont. She has taught worldwide addressing physicians and all people interested in exploring embodiment. She did retire from the osteopathic practice in 2009 and now devotes herself to teaching, writing and exploring new ways to foster health and well-being. She is the author of the book Engaging the Movement of Life, Exploring Health and Embodiment Through Osteopathy and Continuum. And this book is actually the link why Bonnie was on my show. Bonnie studied Continuum extensively with its founder, Emily Conrad, and taught it in collaboration with her for a long time. And you might wonder, what is Continuum? And of course, we'll talk about that in this episode. Continuum is an exploration into the fluid dance of all life, of life as it unfolds through our being and the world around us. A practice where movement is the teacher. The practice of meditation is and has been fundamental on Bonnie's journey as well. She trains to be a teacher of mindfulness-based stress reduction and has explored many approaches to mindfulness within and outside Buddhist traditions. And she is, together with her husband, the host of her own podcast called Osteopathy Unblocked. Through this pod podcast, <laughs> they are creating a comprehensive textbook of osteopathic clinical philosophy based upon the 21st century oral tradition of podcasting. I will link that for you in the show notes. Yes, you might already get or have gotten a sense of what this episode is about and what a creative, wise and experienced guest I had the honor to talk with. Over the years, Bonnie developed her very own innovative approach combining all mentioned elements with the vision and wish to expand the possibilities for experiencing health and embodiment and allowing for the development of perceptual skills to more deeply care for ourselves and others. Embodiment, self-care and healing. We talked about all of that and so much more. Explored wonderful, nurturing and inspirational insights and ideas and 
equally will leave you with ongoing questions, which reflection upon is equally nurturing too. I can only invite you to lean back, feel your feet, notice your breath. You might want to close your eyes and allow your eyelids to rest into the fluid nature of your eye too for this episode and go ahead and enjoy it. And as always, I'm looking forward to hearing about your thoughts and comments about this episode on Instagram or Facebook or any podcast platform you are listening from at the moment. Yes, any feedback, five-star review, follow, subscription and comment is a huge support. And if you do enjoy this episode, share it with your friends and family. That is how the breathing body can grow and I can keep going and this is exactly the mission and vision of my heart, to awaken as many people as possible to the wonder of their body. Huge welcome, Bonnie Gintis, on the podcast. It's oh, Thank you for inviting me. It's <laughs> an honor to be here. We're going to have some fun talking. Today. Yes, I'm sure. And it feels, I have your book here. Um, and it feels like such a long moment that I've been waiting for. I've read your book back and forth and back and forth. I can barely read it because I've colored it in all colors. And it's wonderful that you're here. And I've just, I went back to our first email conversation you had and the wishes with you, which you then sent me off my, on my way until we would meet were be well and dive deep as you explore the mysteries of movements and health. Yes. And I think that is what we what we will explore today. And the mysteries is the right word, I think. <laughs> right. I, I love the, I, I love acknowledging the mystery. If something is known, I like to know it. If something is knowable, I think it's wonderful to explore and know it. And I think it's also important to bow to the mystery because so much of what we work mm -hmm. with those of us who are exploring embodiment, whether it's osteopathy or continuum or some other pursuit, mm -hmm. uh, there's a tremendous amount of mystery. And I personally hope we, ne we never know <laughs> the entire mystery. There, I think there needs to be some mystery mm -hmm. for us to explore. Mm -hmm. Keeps us curious. Yes. Absolutely. I just want to say it's within the mystery, within the mis mystery which... Um, yeah, leads us on that ongoing exploration, which in the end the work is about, right? <laughs> which is difficult right. to accept <laughs> sometimes. Yes, right, mm. right. You've mentioned the word embodiment already. And I think maybe that would be a wonderful place to start because I also know that you've written that's one sentence in your book. And it goes that, that you said, that you said, I often found myself wondering why I was working so hard to learn how to feel where my own body has, I can't read my own writing, <laughs> but where my own body was in many ways so much more accessible. Right, and right. I would, I would love to share with all my listeners um, when was that moment and what, what happened in that moment when you realized, wow, my own yes. body is so much more accessible. So I began my osteopathic training in 1981 in the U.S. at the uh, mm -hmm. New York College of Osteopathic Medicine. And I remember there was a day I was sitting in class with my hands on another person. 
And I don't even remember what the task was, but they were asking me to sense something in someone else's body. And I thought, wow, this is so complicated. I've never felt this in myself. Mm -hmm. How can I even recognize this in another person? It's something I only know about intellectually. Mm -hmm. And that day I began coming home every day from, from class and lying down on the floor and going into a meditative state and breathing and trying to sense into my body what we had learned that day in school. I felt like I need to learn anatomy and physiology from, from the inside out and not from the outside in. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, then, and then maybe it'll be uh, easier, it'll make more sense to be cultivating this perceptual skill to feel something in another person's body. It just felt like it was one step removed mm-hmm. from something mm-hmm. that I could learn from. Here was, here was the best, best textbook I owned. And it was portable because mm-hmm. I lived inside of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and around this same time, I'm early in my osteopathic education. I read two stories that impressed me deeply. I read the story of Andrew Taylor Still, the founder of osteopathy, when as a as a boy of, I, he was ten or twelve years old. He had terrible headaches, and. Um, I don't know, many people I think have had this experience when you have this headache, you just feel so compressed Mm -hmm. and like, oh, if I just had a little bit of space, if Mm -hmm. someone could just do something, I'd have some relief. He had that feeling and he saw a piece of rope hanging over a tree and he decided to put a towel on it and lie down and he basically gave himself some cervical traction, but he fell asleep and when he woke up, his headache was gone. So there, as a young boy, he had an embodied experience mm. that the structure mm-hmm. of his body influenced the way it functioned. And I'm not saying that was the moment osteopathy was born, because he had a lot of experiences that mm-hmm. led up to. But, but one of the first that he writes about in his autobiography is that experience, that embodied mm-hmm. experience. And many years later, when William Garner Sutherland, who we um, uh, we attribute to uh, really elaborating on mm. the cranial concept in osteopathy. He was an open-minded skeptic. And before he uh, started teaching and talking about the movements that, uh, that were accessible in treating the cranium as well as the rest of the body, he didn't see it as separate. He experimented on himself. So he also had an embodied experience mm-hmm. that led him to insights that was a, a really crucial development in, in, in osteopathic philosophy and mm-hmm. practice. So I was very encouraged by, by mm-hmm. uh, the, fo- the, founders of, uh, the founder of the profession and the founder of a whole branch of the profession that I think has um, created unity in the body because they used to just consider the body from foramen magnum mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. Nobody, uh, mm-hmm. nobody realized that you could treat the cranium with the same principles as the rest of the body. And, uh, and I knew I was on the right track. Mm. And what's, yeah. what happened? So you would go home and lie into your back or just be with your body and start to meditate with what you learned or move What's, how did that change the way you would 
you would go back to college or you would work, you would put your hands on how did that how did that change the way you worked, Bonnie? I felt I like it, it I felt like it brought my experience from something I was thinking about into something that I was feeling in so many dimensions. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like what I was trying to experience before that was was very flat and two-dimensional. And it mm. became three-dimensional, four-dimensional. If there are more dimensions, mm. it it filled it just filled out the uh, many of the gaps in my experience and, and understanding. Mm. And what it mm-hmm. and what that looked like when I began changed over time. And there was um, I don't know if you want to talk about that now. What changed is I discovered this yes, approach please. to mm-hmm. exploring embodiment called mm-hmm. continuum. So I, I had a dear friend, his name was Andrew, and he used mm-hmm. to come over my house once or twice a week, and he wanted me mm-hmm. to uh, practice what I had learned in school on him. So mm-hmm. he also was very curious and loved to go to workshops. So he came back from a workshop one day, and he said to me, I just met this woman, her name is Emily Conrad, and she teaches something called Continuum, and she taught us how to do what it feels like you do when you give me an osteopathic Mm. treatment. I became very excited. It's like, oh my goodness. So someone else has thought about this coming from a very different direction and has found a way to teach people to to work with embodied sensation and and is offering a practice that uh, on many levels is similar to an osteopathic treatment. Only people can do it themselves. So partly I thought this is a this will be a great way for me to learn. And I was already starting to see by mm-hmm. just um being an assistant in the clinic where I would help other osteopaths treating patients, and I was learning that people were coming in for treatment and and being quite passive, just saying, please mm-hmm. lie down on let me lie down and fix me, you know, and expect mm-hmm. in a in a half hour session for their life to change when they would just go home and do all the same things with their body over and over mm-hmm. again that may have caused their problem in the first place. So I felt like this is not only a way of learning about embodied anatomy, it's a it's something perhaps I can share with my patients so that they can take better care of themselves and not be mm-hmm. dependent on me to always be the one to to help solve their problems. So I have devoted my life to uh to these two uh these two approaches, which are based on very similar principles, continuum, you apply them to yourself, and osteopathy, you apply them to mm-hmm. another person. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the practice of mm-hmm. continuum, uh, is a, it's, it's a movement awareness practice. Mm-hmm. It involves breath, sometimes sound, which is just adding a vibration to breath. And a meditative state and continuum, we call it open attention, but it goes by many names. To me, it's no different than what I do in my meditation practice when I think of it as mindfulness. But it's applying that to moving and breathing and living and being in the world. And Mm -hmm. it completely supports osteopathic learning and Mm -hmm. practice. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking as you're talking, um, continuum osteopathy with one, you invite the patient to more actively get out, yeah, enter that process. And with the other, it's more passively. And yet both of them, is that right? If I say both of them 
um, engage the movement of life, which of course is also the title about your book, which that's right. I think that's why I took the book out of the shelf in the first place. It wasn't our library and I read engaging the movement of life and I thought, wow, yes, isn't that's inherently what I try to do. <laughs> Sometimes right. try so hard to do in my patients. Uh, one of my, my first osteopathic teacher, his name was uh, mm -hmm. Stanley Shiowitz. He so ingrained in us what, what he believed, which was that if everybody's body had the space mm -hmm. and the ability to move in that space, that the body would take care of itself much mm -hmm. better. That so much of what we do as osteopaths is we don't, you know, we're not, we're not there fixing. We can't heal another person. We're creating the conditions for the body to do what mm -hmm. it needs to do. So continuum and osteopathy are two ways to um, uh, provide, provide or create space, whether the space is inside the body or outside the body. It's all the same. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> but if the body's going to creatively reorganize to heal or to adapt to something, It, it needs space to move in because all of life is about movement mm -hmm. from down to the, the movement that happens inside of a mm -hmm. cell or between cells and the spaces between cells and the tissues, the fluids and the spaces mm -hmm. of the body. It's all movement and space mm -hmm. in relationship to each other. Mm -hmm. And we can do that for ourselves, but sometimes we can't, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. we're, sometimes we get stuck. Sometimes the challenge is too great and we need so, and we need help from another person i think humans inherently go mm -hmm. to others when they need help and uh so i think it's it's okay to go to someone else for help sometimes it's not like we all just need to be responsible for taking care of ourselves mm -hmm. and i think um when we do go to another person um We're asking them to hold the faith and the trust that our body can mm -hmm. heal until we start to have that experience and we remember it mm -hmm. ourselves. So the founder of osteopathy, Andrew mm -hmm. Taylor, still also said the first step in osteopathy is a belief in the body's ability to heal. So sometimes people come to us for treatment and they've lost that faith mm -hmm. and they want us to do something about it. And I can't heal another person's body, but I have faith that their body can heal. And I'm willing to hold that faith and that mm -hmm. trust until I can hand it back to them, that they can uh, have that mm -hmm. trust themselves. Wow. I Wow. <laughs> Thank you for reminding, Bonnie. I feel just what you now said with belief and faith. Yes, that is so important. And I'm thinking there exactly how... In order that I, as a practitioner, can hold that space filled with faith and belief, I'm just thinking of what does that require? That requires that I'm mm -hmm. in touch with my own body, that I'm in touch, that I, I can't know. But that's where it, the mystery begins, right? I must be in touch with that life force or move of life or what people, different people call it different things. But, and I would like to ask you that question, you know, what does it require for Or what does that invite me as a practitioner onto if I, if I'm that person holding that faith and belief <laughs> in the moment where my patients can't or my patient's body can't? That's a very interesting question because the faith and the belief I'm asking people to have is not, um, 
it's not like joining a religion. It's not like mm -hmm. signing up for a set of things that are, you know, that have been dictated by some other authority. Like you don't have to have faith or belief to observe that nature exists. And to mm -hmm. me, uh, so much of what we're working with mm -hmm. are just the way the laws of nature expressing themselves through the body. To me, the body is part of the living planet that we live on. So whether it's a, a tree or my body or an animal's body, mm. I, they're all the same laws. Nature, na nature guides life in similar ways. And you don't have to have faith or belief to appreciate that that's happening. So it's not quite as, um, mm -hmm. it's not like you have to sign up for something you're not sure about. So, uh, so I think anyone who's committed to this exploration has a lifetime of exploration. If you put your hands on people, you witness miracles. I mean, it's miraculous the way life expresses itself and the way uh, with just a little bit of support sometimes, life reorganizes itself in a more mm -hmm. creative, adaptable way. Mm. You know, the way healing expresses itself is a bit, is a bit of a mystery too. So... To me, um, healing, healing is about the body's ability to creatively adapt to what it, it's had to meet. And whether that's an illness or an injury, you know, a, 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 a trauma on the physical or the emotional level, it really doesn't matter. Uh, to me, the definition of health is the body's uh, ability to meet that and to creatively uh, find a way to live to, to, to live through it. And sometimes mm -hmm. healing doesn't mean something's going to become the way it used to be. I, in fact, I don't believe anything ever becomes the way it used to be. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, something might heal and actually work better than it mm -hmm. used to be. And it's different. <laughs> you know, every time the body reorganizes, it might come up mm -hmm. with a different way to do so. So, uh, I think the conditions that we create during an osteopathic treatment, and we do that a wide variety of ways because we, we, we meet the person at the level of their necessity. And if we can, we, we provide the support that they need. And sometimes that's us helping their body do something. Sometimes it's just holding the space for it to happen. Uh, I think we all, we all do it differently, mm -hmm. and we're taught a wide variety of ways of doing that in school, and we get to experiment and see what works for us, what works for the, for the person who's lying on our table in that moment, and, uh, and uh, to me, it's an in incredibly creative process, and I never know mm -hmm. what's going to happen. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's very exciting. Wow. And I just really appreciate that when you said, what were the words you used? You said, the moment we put our hands onto a body, we witness miracles. And already just knowing that or appreciating that or I I'm, yeah, I think <laughs> you're already preaching that knowing that will, will create that. <laughs> I go back to belief or faith. If I know how, if I feel the moment I put my hands I feel the breath and I feel as and I feel a warmth or whatever I feel that is that is the expression of the body underneath that is life underneath my hands expressing itself right um mm -hmm. hmm. to me one of the most important parts of what I do is the way I appreciate uh what I think is really unique about osteopathy 
uh, the, uh, the founder of our profession once more. I'm, I'm talking about him mm. a lot today. Uh, he's inspiring me. Uh, probably, mm. I think the most commonly quoted thing that he said is to find health should be the doc- object of the doctor. Anyone can find yes. disease. So when I first heard that back in 1981, I, I, the first thing I thought was, wow, that sounds great. And then I paused. It's like, well, and what in the world does that mean? And how do I do that? Mm-hmm. So for me, it became the osteopathic equivalent of a of a Buddhist Zen koan. So in, in the in Zen practice, sometimes there's a sentence, a phrase. Sometimes it's just a word, or it can be a whole story that's meant for you to hear it and stop. And like something in you has to become open and empty to receive it. Mm-hmm. The the mm-hmm. cognitive mind can't figure it out. But it puts you in a state where you can receive a transmission from, you know, from the original teacher who who said that. Mm -hmm. So I have spent my entire osteopathic life, it's many years since 1981, uh, that I've thought about this every day. And how do I apply this to my patients? How do I apply this to myself? How do I apply this to my Mm -hmm. entire worldview? How can I wake up every morning and pick up mm-hmm. a newspaper that gives me nothing but news of war and atrocities and terrible news and the planet itself is falling mm-hmm. apart? How do I find health? How do I live in this world unless I can mm-hmm. find health in the moment? Mm-hmm. So this has mm-hmm. become a, just a foundational part mm-hmm. of, of my life that I can't separate from treating a patient or you know walking mm-hmm. walking out the door to run errands mm-hmm. on a on a mundane mm-hmm. Wednesday afternoon. Uh, mm-hmm. So to me, this was this created a paradigm shift in healthcare, mm-hmm. uh, such a radical thing. Our our profession is mm-hmm. based on finding health. Mm-hmm. So in my view, health is something that has no opposite. Disease is not the opposite of health. Disease Mm -hmm. comes from another paradigm. Mm -hmm. And it's not that as osteopaths, we don't ever need to find disease because sometimes we're responsible for evaluating a person and and finding the so-called thing that's wrong. But that doesn't mean we hold that as our reference point. So even if I've just, Mm -hmm. you know, diagnosed a torn ligament or cancer in a patient Mm -hmm. my reference point is still their health how does this person live in relationship to what i've just described is happening in their body so that they can heal and whether their healing is making something you know Mm -hmm. mending torn tissue or learning how to compensate for uh some other process that's now going on in their body Mm -hmm. It's uh, it, it's a similar it's a similar question. So, uh, to me, the expression of someone's health can be altered, but health mm-hmm. itself is never altered. Mm-hmm. And it may sound like I'm just playing with words, but mm-hmm. the way I use the words changes the way I perceive. And that the way key. that mm-hmm. and the way we perceive our patients really influences their therapeutic Mm -hmm. process Mm -hmm. so we can either uh limit what we're doing Mm -hmm. or we can create infinite possibilities for healing Mm -hmm. by the way we perceive what's Mm -hmm. going on in the person we're working with 
can you say something more about that, Bonnie? You yeah. say the way we perceive our patients. So what are, say more about that. <laughs> well, it's been my experience in life mm -hmm. that the way I listen, mm -hmm. the way mm -hmm. I see, the way I use all of my senses, because they're all just filters. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all, we all can look at the same thing and describe something different. Mm -hmm. So we all filter the information we take in differently. And if I have a filter mm -hmm. that eliminates, filters out possibilities for healing, I've limited what that person can access. Mm. So if mm. my filter is one that likes to focus on disease, then I eliminate all of the possibilities that the health might creatively come up mm -hmm. with. So I discovered that the way that I listen, it creates a, a, a container mm -hmm. that shapes the story that I tell myself about my life, my patient's life, the life of the world around me. So if I listen differently, suddenly I'm living in a different mm -hmm. world because different possibilities present themselves to me mm -hmm. because I've been open to perceiving them. Mm -hmm. mm. So almost like different yeah. yeah, different glasses you you look through. <laughs> right. <laughs> opens I, absolutely complete, yeah, different. <laughs> Right. I mean, if you look through red, and I think, you know, I visualize if, you, if I look through glasses with red, um, with flat glass, then the whole, the whole field, the whole space is colored in different tones of red. It's what you said. It's a new world. It's not just one image. It's a right. new world which opens. And I can feel that red as well if I look through red glasses. Right. So we have all mm -hmm. kinds of lenses that we mm -hmm. view our, view the mm -hmm. world through. So, um, Uh, right now, I there are a lot of people I know who are exploring um, the world of working with people and trauma. Trauma mm -hmm. becomes a lens of perception. If you look at everybody as if you're looking for their trauma, uh, you'll find it because guess what? We're human. <laughs> you know, we've all been through something. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I think what people have been through in my eyes is more like adversity. And adversity to me is different than mm -hmm. trauma, but uh, mm -hmm. that's a whole other conversation we don't need to mm -hmm. have uh, in our time today. But mm -hmm. um, uh, but we but we but we view uh, whether it's a, the patient or the world mm -hmm. we live in through different lenses. And if we're always viewing it through ourselves as an individual, um, mm -hmm. or, or ourselves from the culture we live in, or the family we grew up with going to have one set of conclusions if we're going to view the world through the lens of nature mm -hmm. i'm a mammal i'm a human you and i are no different because mm -hmm. we're both humans so the individual differences of bonnie's body or florina's body are not that mm -hmm. different if you're viewing through the lens of biology and nature mm -hmm. or if i decide mm -hmm. to view, view through a more cosmic lens if on You know, in any moment, I'm having a more energetic or in osteopathy, we might call it a biodynamic approach. Then I'm not seeing the individual and I might not be seeing the laws of nature. I might be seeing a connection to something that can't be measured, something that's non-material. And it's not like these things are separate. 
you know, the body is in a state of connected oneness. We're individuals, we're parts of nature, we're energetic beings, we're, we're spiritual beings having a physical experience, we're mm-hmm. physical beings having a spiritual experience. It's, it's, it's all happening in the same, mm-hmm. uh, in the same container simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that changes is, is our lens of perception. So the way we view ourselves or another person or the rest of the world in any given moment really changes our experience of it and the possibilities for the outcome for what can happen next. So that's that's what I'm reminding people to open up to and to not to not limit themselves. Absolutely. Yeah, and that makes me feel or think back of that. I think that was wonderful how you you we start the conversation when you said um yeah when you entered that embodiment process for yourself how suddenly the experience became 3d and 4d and and faults and tubes and channels and chambers and um and that has i think for my for my own experience a lot to do exactly how do i allow my experience and an experience and the journey i go on with my patient or my own to to take that 4D construct or do I put the lens, which just <laughs> makes it, you also use the word a flat, right. um, a flat story. You mentioned, you said at one point, Bonnie, embodied sensation. And I feel that word, like embodiment, everyone uses <laughs> the word embodiment. And sometimes I'm confused myself. What does that actually mean or what does it What does it authentically mean? I so easily can say, oh, I'm embodying my work. And I, I think if I'm not a little bit confused about it, and many other people are as well. Um, uh, yeah, how do you explain embodied sensation or embodiment to your, to the, to your students? I, I think the foundational consideration mm-hmm. is that the body is a process, not an object. Yes. We have to start we have mm-hmm. to start there because everything in mm-hmm. our culture, our education has taught us that the body is a thing. We need to learn about it in in and all of its parts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we need to do something to control it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you accept the body as a process, it's a living process from moment to moment. Mm-hmm. Our bodies are different now than when we started this conversation 27 mm-hmm. minutes ago. <laughs> Then you're joining something that's already mm-hmm. in progress. And that's a really different experience than mm-hmm. like, I'm going to approach this thing and I'm going to change it. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's one starting point. Mm-hmm. Um you mentioned sensation. So sensation for me is a really important piece of the puzzle too, because the gift of sensation is that there's only one time sensation happens and that's now. (laughs) If you're remembering what you had for breakfast, Mm -hmm. you know, how good that omelet was you had for breakfast, that's a memory that's happening. Mm -hmm. That's a mental activity. Or if you're, Imagining what you're going to do this afternoon, that's a fantasy. It's also, be, it's, a, it's a mental activity you're generating. So we live in this very confused time, you know, time capsule where we don't know the difference between the past and the future. 
and 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 our ideas about what happened in the past or what we want to happen mm-hmm. in the future clog up the present and then we can't feel anything. Mm-hmm. So having practices that are rooted in sensation are one way to stay absolutely clear in the present. And for at least for the time being, say, understanding what happened to me in the past might be important, but not right now. <laughs> and there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with having a goal for the future, but right, mm-hmm. but not right now. But right now, I'm going to be informed. How can I get mm-hmm. information from my body or somebody else's body if I'm constantly referencing mm-hmm. the past or the future? So to me, sensation is the way to do that. So sensation... Mm-hmm. Silent felt sensation, to me, Mm. is the body's foundational language. It's the way our body communicates with us. It's the way we communicate with each other, although many people don't realize that. They they think the communication isn't happening until they say something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A lot has been communicated before the words come out. Um, And from this place of sensation... We very quickly, because we're humans and this is what we do, and it's not a bad thing, we very quickly label it. We try to describe what's happening. We interpret it. We're always judging. Is it good? Is it bad? Mm -hmm. Is it neutral? And then often we draw a conclusion about the sensation that we had as if it's an original thought. (laughs) You know, a lot of people think (laughs) that it starts in their head. By the time you have what you Mm -hmm. think is an original thought, it's it's. It's nanoseconds. I mean, they're fractions of seconds ago that you had something inside of you that triggered that whole process. And then we take that process literally and we stop taking this process literally. Mm-hmm. So it's learning how to drop into that embodied mm-hmm. sensation, the moment to moment process mm-hmm. of being alive mm-hmm. that provides a realm of information that mm-hmm. you can't access any other way. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I'm glad you, first of all, I'm so grateful you remind all of us that the body is a process. Mm-hmm. I mean, just that sentence alone for me could, well, could yeah. make one cry out of joy and relief. It takes also pressure. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> body is a process. It doesn't need to be a fixed, correct, right, controlled, now right. object. And if it's a process, it's constantly exactly changing. And in in motion and actually I can nothing else than step out of the way and let that process (laughs) unwind and unravel. Um, And then the second thing I was so grateful you mentioned um, exactly how quickly, or I thought, yeah, you know, if that it's the sensation can become, then we think that was an original thought. And I thought, yeah, that process of, embodiment it does require commitment and practice absolutely it's, yeah it it does require commitment and mm-hmm. practice because most mm-hmm. of most most of the time and this is human nature i don't want to say this is a bad thing it's why we're alive mm-hmm. most of the time we're led by our survival strategies mm-hmm. uh, as when i look to nature and i try to understand you know, the history of life on earth. I I haven't tried to understand the history of life elsewhere yet, but (laughs) starting with earth, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. uh, I look to the evolutionary process 
And evolution is not concerned with our happiness. Evolution is concerned with our survival and our procreation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if we want to be led by something other than that, it, it, it takes a commitment to practice. And our survival strategies often, often, often run amok. <laughs> I think so mm-hmm. much of what mm-hmm. we see people mm-hmm. for in terms of health struggles are their, their, their survival strategies have just gone awry and taken over. So when I see somebody that has a, a, some kind of a defense mechanism or some way that they're shut down and it has, it has negatively impacted their health or their ability to know what's going on in their body, the first thing I do is I bow to it and I say, thank you for helping this person survive. And whatever that was that you helped them survive through, it's not happening right now. So can we please stop and consider mm-hmm. something, consider another alternative here. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times people have lost the ability to sense because something mm-hmm. happened to them that was too overwhelming to feel the full impact of. And they had to shut down their sensing capacities. Mm. So it takes it takes a long time to um, uh, to redevelop that, to re-nurture that, to develop, I mean, to be, first of all, in the first place, be privileged enough to mm-hmm. live in a time and a place where we can. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just take a moment and think about all of the people yes. in the world right now that are, are in the middle of, uh, mm-hmm. I could name one of mm-hmm. a number of wars that are going on. People mm-hmm. don't have safety. They don't have time. They have to be in a, a state of being mm-hmm. shut down. If they felt everything that was going on right now, mm-hmm. they might not survive. So, And I want them to survive, as many mm-hmm. of them as possible. So we have the privilege of being mm-hmm. able to choose to Absolutely. let down our survival mechanisms and, uh, and, uh, and, and learn how to receive sensation that will guide us to take care of ourselves mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. And whether we're doing this for ourselves or for our patients or for our loved ones, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. all the same issue. We have mm-hmm. to let go of the survival mechanism in order to have mm-hmm. the most valuable mm-hmm. mm, set of information that's going to allow mm-hmm. us to make choices to care for ourselves and others and the world that we live mm-hmm. in. Absolutely. Yeah, let's go of the survival mechanism and yet honor the survival mechanism because also it was there for us, right? Yeah. Also, I think an expression of health, but now I see that image of, yeah, the survival is like the petals of a flower and knowing that was also there, but underneath might be an, ever, an even <laughs> bigger expression of, I don't know, <laughs> blossoming. Yes, Wanting yes. to be discovered. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. And Bonnie, maybe especially also for the listeners who are not osteopath or for the people who this is something really new to get an invitation to dive into the silent um the silent felt world of sensational perception how what can be a starting point to do that without starting from an overwhelmed place how how might that look like if if well the um i think the easiest place to start is with the breath but i want to qualify that because there are Mm -hmm. some people when they bring their attention to their breath they become anxious Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And, um, and if that's the case, when I'm working with somebody, that's important information about mm. that person. And we mm. find another way because there are a lot of uh, very accessible sensations. That just happens to be my favorite. And for so many approaches, it's a common starting place. But not everyone can start there. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that sometimes people need to work with other ways. Mm-hmm. So I think the the next easiest place, and I have to say, I've never had anyone have a bad reaction to this suggestion, mm-hmm. is to feel the effects of gravity. Mm-hmm. Now, some people hear me say that and all they want to do is lie down. And I, <laughs> And if that's the case, it's often your body telling you that you need more rest than you're getting and that's okay. But you can just feel, um, just feel where you're in contact with your, if you're sitting, Mm -hmm. feel yourself in contact with the seat, feel your feet on the floor or your legs if they're touching the floor or a chair, you know, what is supporting you to be in the sit in the Mm -hmm. position you're in right now? And if a person has an overwhelming feeling like, oh, it's requiring a lot of energy to stay in this mm-hmm. position, like for anyone listening right now, you're welcome to lie down and feel mm-hmm. it. Just really let, give your, give your weight to the floor because the floor wants mm-hmm. to receive it. Underneath the floor, if you go far enough, mm-hmm. you'll meet the earth. And the earth is here mm-hmm. uh, with this force of gravity Gravity is a, a, a field of influence. It's, it occupies space mm-hmm. and it influences our behavior like all fields. Mm-hmm. And it can be a very grounding sensation. It can be very comforting to feel gravity. Mm. Wow. It's really interesting as you were saying that I, <laughs> I noticed um, or I felt, I felt the sensation of gravity myself and when I when I hear or when I read or hear the world the words silent felt world I immediately see that word see I somehow see or feel an ocean emerging in front of me, and as I was sitting here and heard you say noticing my sitting bones on the chair and noticing the support there was something arising from underneath and it mm. something was arising came through me and something opened up and the one thought I had wow woof. Oh yeah, now we can dive into something. <laughs> and it was just by, I'm just at this moment re, um, re-inspired. It was this little, you gave such a pure little clear invitation. Um, mm-hmm. but I can, it's fascinating how, and <laughs> now I like the words, <laughs> but well, something started to happen. So what, what I, um, what I hear you describe is the relationship came in. So the, yes. the the initial invitation was to, to was to let yourself mm-hmm. feel gra- the effects of gravity, and a lot of people feel like oh it's happening to me, and they feel like mm-hmm. that sinking feeling. But if you really allow the earth to receive you, and you really allow yourself to experience gravity, then what you get is the receiving. <laughs> <laughs> the receiving mm-hmm. part of that you mm-hmm. get that gravity gravity is holding mm-hmm. you like the relationship mm-hmm. is both ways so it's not mm-hmm. just being pulled down into it there's mm-hmm. for me there's almost like a buoyancy that that comes yes, from that a buoyancy mm-hmm. right and if you're too tired mm-hmm. you might not feel that mm-hmm. you, you might not have the energy to feel the re- the receptivity mm-hmm. of 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 the gravitational field 
and receiving your body. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have I have deep respect for the amount of rest that mm-hmm. people need sometimes in order to yes. go to the next level mm-hmm. of sensation. So if you're Absolutely. if you're if you're trying this mm-hmm. and you're not feeling received, um, mm-hmm. just stay the course and allow yourself to yes. rest in it. Yes. And maybe when you wake up mm-hmm. <laughs> from a nap one day, you'll feel mm-hmm. the the relationship mm-hmm. between you mm-hmm. releasing yourself into gravity mm-hmm. and gravity mm-hmm. receiving you. Mm-hmm. But I think it might be, or I hope it is um, encouraging (laughs) for people to hear us or you say receiving, because it's not that we lie down and I have to get something or pull it or find it or seek for it. I give my attention. I just now think "Hmm, maybe body embodiment is also, is actually that dance or a dance, not a dialogue, a dance dialogue between I give my attention and I receive sensation. I don't even have to actively sense but by giving the attention right. by opening the attention <laughs> i receive and there is a relationship and connection <laughs> right in fact if you try too hard to like go in and get information you'll limit what you get yes yes yeah mm. and that's 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 another difficult lesson to learn. Yeah. So many people mm-hmm. block their own level of sensation because they're trying too mm-hmm. hard. They're trying to go in and get it. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be But received. that is wonderful. That brings us back to where we... St- you actually now answered the question I started with, which was... Oh, yes. Remind me what the was question was. <laughs> I, I was reflecting day to day a lot, a lot about the potency of embodiment and why it's so important for us practitioners, osteopath. And I, I often... I it made me angry that we never talked about it in school. And I thought, oh, why do we not talk about it? And now you just mentioned how exactly sometimes the more we try, the less we actually less we actually perceive and sense. So the process or journey of entering that entering that embodiment with myself might, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking now, might bring me to a place as a practitioner where I exactly experience that I actually receive so much more by doing less because I'm in that attentive state with myself. Yeah. So in, um, Mm -hmm. in defense of the educational process, (laughs) (laughs) I think it was really helpful for me to, um, let go of the idea that osteopathic, my osteopathic education ended the day I graduated because life and whether you're an osteopath or not life in a body Mm -hmm. is an education that goes on in in, and as long as you're alive (laughs) so the phase of your education Mm -hmm. that happened when you were in school required that they um you know teach you a lot of bits of information Mm -hmm. but the problem with learning about all of the parts of the body and the systems of the body is that all of that is artificially divided up into small amounts so that it's easy to, easier to learn. So the goal of, the, of your lifelong education, once you've graduated from a training program, is to reintegrate, take all the parts that mm-hmm. you've learned, to reintegrate them and make them part of the connected oneness of the whole. Because... I think every culture has a version of the mm-hmm. saying, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. uh, this, is, this is just so 
particularly true when we're, when what we're studying mm-hmm. is the so-called mm-hmm. body. I mean, what is a body? <laughs> Do we mm-hmm. have one? Are we inhabiting it? Mm-hmm. Is, uh, are we just passing through it? Uh, mm-hmm. When we learn anatomy and we break up and study mm-hmm. all these little parts mm-hmm. and uh, out of relationship to what they're connected to, mm-hmm. you know, when you study the uh, the nervous system, your nervous system doesn't mm-hmm. know it's in a different system than your gastrointestinal tract. <laughs> your toe doesn't know that it's in a different system than your eye. Mm-hmm. The body is in a state of connected oneness. And we've had to learn about it in pieces. Because it's mm-hmm. too difficult to learn about the whole thing all at once. <laughs> so if you view the Absolutely. educational process mm-hmm. as something that takes a lifetime, it takes a lifetime Absolutely. to mm-hmm. integrate the information and mm-hmm. weave it back mm-hmm. into, a, mm-hmm. into a, a sense of wholeness. Mm. Yes. And it's probably even more potent to find that desire for integrating oneself other than getting it served. So for a long time, I saw it as a, uh, but actually it's a gift. <laughs> How right. powerful for it to come out of, out of one's body. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much, Bonnie, for all you <laughs> shared and explored with me and, It might be a wonderful place to stop where we actually throw that wonderful question into the space for all the listeners take with them what what is a body. That's what I will (laughs) sit with tonight. Um, And yeah, thank you so much for sharing your experience and wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's a a delight having having met you and we've had some amazing conversations Mm -hmm. and I hope we have, Mm -hmm. we hope we have many more and, many different containers yes, and maybe yes. and maybe someday in person so they'll that let us out of our little zoom, yeah, our little zoom box absolutely. and because uh, <laughs> when absolutely. we're breathing breathing and being in a room together in mm-hmm. person then uh, there's there's a, there's a whole thing. other mm-hmm. there's a whole other exchange of information mm-hmm. but in the meantime yes. this is a wonderful mm-hmm. vehicle for all yeah. of us to reach each other and Those and the might. next episode will will record in person. That could be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, that's a future goal that I totally that's support. That's a future goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Oh, thank you, Lena. And thanks to all of our listeners. I hope you all found inspiration in this conversation too. And I'm very much looking forward to hearing your thoughts, comments and feedbacks via any podcast platform you're listening from at the moment or follow me on social media. It is the dialogue with you, my dear listeners, which feeds this this project hugely. I am still sitting and moving with The reminder that the body is a process. And if it has space and movement, it will take care of itself. And I'm also left with that wonderful question, what is a body? Do we have one? Do we inhabit it? Do we just pass through it? What does the body mean to me? And I ask you, what does body mean to you? I wish you wonderful pondering and all my love from me to you.